When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape, and we're here uh, on a very, very hot Tuesday afternoon in the heat wave of Los Angeles from the Z Hollywood Studios, and uh, yeah, this is Geekscapes. We're going to talk movies, video games, comic books, and television. Uh, Last week was E3. There's tons and tons of uh, news that came out of it, and we covered it on the last show, so if you guys are big video game fans, hop over to the show from last week and listen about all the video game news, and if that's not enough for you... There's a two-part Geekscape Games podcast on the Geekscape Games uh, podcast feed. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher, anywhere. And uh, Shane did a great job of having a two-parter. There's some audio issues on the second part, warning you, but the content is still really good and the information is good. That's where I get all my my video game news is uh, from the Geekscape Games podcast. And, you know, it's frustrating, though, sometimes. I do hop on on Facebook and whichever hosts said the wrong facts are the ones that get the Facebook post from me that's like, hey, listen, guys, technically that was incorrect. But then Shane hits me up and is like, let me tell you what a teraflop is because you sounded like an idiot on Geekscape. So, you know what? We're not perfect, but we are passionate, and that that's the way we've been for several years. So if you enjoyed Geekscape, go ahead and leave us five stars on whatever podcatcher you use, and uh, that really helps us out. Write a review. Be like, hey, these guys are idiots, but they're passionate, so I love it. Um, this is Geekscape, and we always have a guest. Kenny Craig is out for a family emergency, but, you know, I love Kenny. But I think Brandon Easton, our hey. good friend and uh, prolific writer, is uh, is a good enough guest. Um, what I love about Brandon is he's always he's always writing. Mm. And not only are you always writing, but uh, and this is a good episode if you guys are into uh, comic books, if you guys are into cartoons, if you guys are into television... Uh, Brandon is just a very prolific writer, and I I don't know if I first met Brandon from a convention because Brandon at every convention r- throws a uh, he always has a panel about breaking into the industry as a writer, and uh, it's a very popular panel, right? Because I think a lot of people go to conventions looking for mm-hmm. that foot in the door. Yes, and you've done such a good job about always consistently creating that panel, mm-hmm. and then what's amazing about it is 
when you started that panel, I think you'd you know you'd written some comics, you'd had some success with it, you'd you'd gotten a cartoon gig or two, right? And really, you were talking from this very nascent part, mm-hmm. uh, like this nascent kind of place professionally, right? And then over the years of you and I knowing each other. You started adding the gigs, mm-hmm. and we're going to count them down. Sure. Transformers for IDW, <laughs> yes. which is a cool comic book gig. Yeah. Uh, did you do some DC work? No, I had pitched DC pitched for DC. almost a year, Whoa. and okay. nothing came out. Hey, well, don't get angry. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, they're, they're going through a rebirth. <laughs> uh, um, uh, this week, he's got his, I think, first Marvel story being published? Yeah, tomorrow. And guys, that if you're in a comic book store this <clears> week, uh, as of this recording... Civil War II, which is the huge Marvel event, mm-hmm. Brandon is a part of it. He's got this Civil War II choosing sides, which is uh, like uh, what happens to some of the characters. Do they pick? I don't know if you guys are following Civil War II, but mm-hmm. the teams are Iron Man and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Who's falling in which camp, right? right. And yeah. he wrote one of those. He's also uh, the man behind the mask for IDW. That's the new mask series based on the uh, popular like cartoon and toy series from when we were kids in the 80s. Uh, it's a big Hasbro product, so it is part of that Hasbro verse over at Paramount that you guys hear about. Um, and this is really, really, really cool. And this is kind of how I know uh, Brandon even better, is because we both wrote for Lion Forge, and at the time Brandon was writing the Andre the Giant book mm-hmm. that has now been optioned as a film. Yes, it has a feature film yes, based on has. your adap- your biography, yes. your, con- your your graphic novel biography of Andre the Giant. Yeah. So you, I mean, I know you as a wrestling fan, yes. but. If this thing hits the screen, they're going to look at you and be like, you, with the blessing of the Andre the Giants family, like wrote the definitive like telling of his story. Pretty much, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. You're pinching yourself about that as like a wrestling fan. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the, the trick is is um, the adaptation, you know, it was a, free, it was a work for hire, so it, it's not like I... Define it, no. You know, yeah. I... Um, I'm not really benefiting tremendously from the optioning sure. because I was just a work for hire. But the trick is that so much of my background as a wrestling fan, being you know from the Mid-Atlantic region, being able to grow up with both Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, and uh, you know old school WWF, I was able to bring all that into it. Right. So I didn't really have to do too much actual research on the wrestling side of it. But I got a chance to talk to Robin, who was Andre's daughter. Robin Christensen, and she gave me all these stories. The and personal I'm, aspect. Yeah, and yeah. also his lawyer's, I think it was his lawyer's son, who mm-hmm. also handles some of the stuff in the estate, he gave me a ton of stories that were, have never been told to anybody other than the people who participated. So that was a core part of writing that, uh, um, that graphic novel biography. And it was the first nonfiction graphic novel I ever wrote. So, wow. Yeah, it's not something I've done. And that's available through Lionforge you know. still, right? Like, yeah, Lionforge just got, I think, the rights back, so they've republished it, and it came out again sometime in May. Mm-hmm. So for those who have, you know, diamond retailer accounts and things of that nature, or if they want to order it, I think you can now get it in mass from Lionforge Direct. And it also seems like something that would be really friendly to get it from like a brick and mortar store. Like, yeah. hopefully that's something that can end right. up in, like, a Barnes & Nobles. It, it, it is. Yeah, it, well, it's well, at Barnes & Nobles. You know, while yeah. we have Barnes & Nobles. Right, right. <laughs> Which is crazy to me. Well, but, you know, independent yeah. stores are making a comeback. And Amazon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, you yeah. see these, you know, you see these listings of these giant brick-and-mortar stores where a lot of us discovered comics for the first time on the right. spinner racks. Yeah, right. And, uh, and now they're all kind of going out of business, and you're like, okay, where are we get, is this the online market? Like, where are we getting these things? And you start to find out that, the independent stores are coming back. Yes, they are. Is, is, is are we becoming vinyl? Is it because the numbers are coming down 
in publishing or is it because I mean are the movies working at all to to bring in an influx of readers I mean I don't know I mean young adult is having right. a, a resurgence I mean I always talk about on the panel you mentioned yeah. you know there are three general uh, uh, genres of, of novels that never stop producing new talent and that's uh, romance okay science fiction and the third is erotica those three are constantly in the search. Erotica. Yeah, you write that down. Um, those erotica. three are constantly looking for brand new talent. Okay. And young adult happens to kind of encompass all of that. Even the erotica, that's in the proper. But, you, but you're right. We, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. There's those we're th- about, like, 30 the shades of Hunger Games, but I'm just yeah, saying. You know. 30 shades of Twilight Hunger Games. <laughs> the much. hunger for the Twilight of the werewolf. And well, see, that. young adult is all about the deferred action. Like, you want to have sex in them, but mm-hmm. you, you know, they get to that point, and it's all that like heavy petting kind of stuff. But, yeah. You know. Well, but it, it's kind of all I don't three, think, as I was a young you adult, know. I don't think I was petting anybody else. That's the problem. Okay, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, Judy Bloom kind of started that role. Right. And then she shifted over into adult storytelling. You right. Know? So they've kind of followed that. So you have science fiction, romance, and erotica are the ones that really blow up. But then it's like Barnes & Noble has become a place. I used to work at the Barnes & Noble at the Grove, so oh, yeah? I know this. Yeah. People go there, and they read it like a library, and they walk out. Whereas with the ind- with the independent bookstore, you have more of an incentive to support the person because that person who owns it is probably at the door right. when you walk in. They're probably behind the register. Right. So and and you, and you feel a sense of contributing to your local community's economy. Right. You know, whereas Barnes and Noble, you never, you know, who knows where that money goes. I've never met you know? Mr. Barnes or Noble. Yeah, I don't ever. <laughs> it's like it's like Bottles and James. Yeah, I've never met those guys. But I mean, you guys. Or Ben and Jerry. If you're listening to this, you know Brandon now. So all I'm telling you is. <laughs> Uh, I think the Andre the Giant book is very unique. I think the yeah. artwork's fantastic. I think he did it's a fantastic. great job Dennis telling Metry. it. Yeah. So you know Brandon now. He's standing at the door and it's go beautiful. go pick it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you guys are watching this on the video feed, the uh, Andre the Giant artwork, I think it's awesome. It's Dennis Medry. This guy is astonishing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So, what about the Marvel book? Like, is it this yeah. Marvel thing that comes out this week? Like, yeah. How'd you get that gig? <laughs> How did you get that? Because well, here's the one thing we also didn't know to, uh, right. mention. Uh, Geekscape, if you were watching uh, Agent Carter on ABC, the second season, Brandon was a writer on that show. Yeah, I wrote episode seven where um, Anna gets shot. Mm-hmm. So that was one. Of, that, that was like the biggest moment in my entire career, getting hired on Agent Carter. You know, and I'm still, you know, the show got canceled, unfortunately. I'm still waiting to get Thanks, my next gig. Thanks yeah, right. a lot, Geekscapers. <laughs> but uh, right now, I, no, I'm not staffed right okay. now, so I'm a little bit like, uh, this is the first time I've gone through this process of network staffing. Can it's I crazy. ask you something? Like, yeah, sure. Because like, I'm doing the same thing as a director. Like, I'm meeting with showrunners. Right, and we're exactly. doing the breakfast. And guys, yeah, if yeah. you need a recommendation for great coffee shops here in L.A., just ask me. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. The and, water bottle like, tour. Okay, so you're obviously there right. as a writer. I'm obviously right. there as a director. Um, how's the conversation flow in those situations? You know what I mean? Like, how's the ice broken? You just hope to get along with these people and that well, if, I, they, if, they, if they think of you, they put you in the room or not? Well, what I'm learning the hardest way possible, I had a crap load of meetings with executives. Right. I haven't met with showrunners, but I met with like everybody but the showrunners. Okay. And what I found out through trial and main, well, it's no error because I didn't make a mistake, but just not getting the job is somebody needs to make a call for you. Yeah. And I don't know enough people because I didn't come into the industry through an agency. I, I was never an assistant on anybody's desk. I came in through the ABC writing program. Mm-hmm. So my circle of contacts is relatively small compared to some people who have built their, you know, come through for 12 years. And or I've grown mine out of, you know. and, I, and for the most part, I've grown mine out of Geekscape. Exactly. Right? right. Been like, oh, right. come on, Geekscape. And then 
oh, you got mm-hmm. a gig on that show. Congratulations. Right. Let's grab right. breakfast. Exactly. And then I'm be at breakfast and be like, so mm-hmm. you want to see a video of me? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> You're real. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to see a real? Right. I was, before right. Geekscape, I was at a friend of mine's place uploading. He's got this crazy high-speed internet where I think like the local Time Warner branch like gave him some promo and then never canceled it. And then he was paying. Wow. They never canceled it. Wow. And I lo- I did that speedtest.org on, right, at my right, house, right. and I was like, yeah, I can't upload Pong on my right. com- like, I, and I and I've got to upload my all my real pieces. <laughs> Three to megabits Vimeo. an hour. Right? And I was like, this sucks. So I right. I literally went over to his place and I uploaded three things in 20 minutes. And it's not fair. Was like, yeah. this is awesome. It's totally worth the drive yeah. down the street mm-hmm. for 20 minutes of upload, whereas it would have taken me overnight. And then I have to apologize to Laura and be like, yeah, the internet's kind of not mm. working right now. And uh, right. Oh, I'm uploading my reel because I have a meeting and uh, I want them to see my stupid But that's video. the trick. You, you got to do it. You got to have somebody, well, realistically, you got to have somebody make a call. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out how to expand my circle of contacts to work. I burnt off every favor I ever had yes. over the last three months trying to get a job and it didn't work. So I have to figure out a brand new way of okay. getting a TV writing. Game. This is what we're going to do. Now, but this, we'll get back to No, no, this, Marvel, this is what we're going to do. Go Brandon. Yeah. I'm going to, you know those people who like subscribe to the breakdown services, they're actors and yeah. they act as their own managers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, breakdown services, Geekscape <laughs> is, is something that here in LA that you have to be a manager and agent to subscribe to. And every morning, Casting directors put out this right. list called the breakdown services, and right. it has a definition of it has a description of every role that that is being cast at the moment. So TV shows, movies, and to subscribe to breakdown services, you need to be an agent or a manager or have some kind of license, right? right? I but I know actors who have gotten breakdown services by paying a manager and agent who wow. has a license and been like, hey, just email it to me. And then they're then charging their actor friends to get it from them, and they have this whole business going on That's crazy. where they're submitting each other. Pretending to be managers or submitting each other to break down services just to get auditions, which, hey, if you're an actor, it's cutthroat. Right. I'm all for it. So I'm going to make an alias and make your phone calls. <laughs> you are going to make an alias and make my phone calls. I've been like, right. you got to meet with Brandon Easton. He's right. the greatest. I saw him. You know what? Forget <laughs> sliced bread. This guy right here. And I will make your the phone The problem call. is I have an agent and a manager. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, well, you yeah, know, yeah. But you just said the three months you were going yeah, to the Sahara. Yeah, yeah, all right. Much, what I'm telling you is, hey, listen. You know what? They're doing fine. All right. I'm sure they're making the phone calls. All right. But are they making the sell? Mm. All right. That's what I'm promising you, Brandon. Right. Is like, you guys ever heard of Brandon Easton? You may not have heard of my office, (laughs) but I'm the new (laughs) thing. Just like Brandon, I'm the new guy in town. And uh, I see you got this project you're trying to set up. Mm, It's doomed, but I know how to save it. Right. Brandon Easton. I mean, I don't know. I'm working on The Voice, maybe a cool name. You know, Dirk McCauley. Yeah, but I, I'm making the call. Dirk McCauley calling. Yeah, Could be, yeah, yeah, no, it's not gonna work. I need something like Flint, I don't know. Flint Steel. Flint Steel sounds like I'm gonna bang them. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't help but notice the voice of your secretary as I called. And uh, mind if I drop into your office? Uh, yeah, he sounds. He sounds like a porno. Uh, no, we'll but, find it. We'll find it, and we'll just make it. Yeah, we'll just make phone calls yeah, for each well, other. Why not? But so the Marvel game. <laughs> yeah. This is what. Well, basically, there's a writer named Brandon Thomas who's right. a, a good friend of mine. He's worked at Miranda Mercury, worked on a bunch of stuff. He has a new book out coming from um, Skybound called Horizon. Okay. So he knew this editor named Chris Robinson over at Marvel, and they've known each other for some time. And I was like, look, dude, you know, I, I, I'd love to work because you know nobody yeah. who I worked with 
any, at any point who was connected to Marvel wanted to introduce me to anybody at Marvel. It's fucked up. You know, and because yeah. the thing, here's the thing. I would have made that phone call. I been like, no, I know. Oh, no, but ever, the trick is, is like, I meet people and Easton? I'd be like, hey, you know, uh, I just need to know the name of yeah. net editors. Yeah. You know, and people, no one ever wants to help you. So anyway, so Brandon actually reached out and said, hey, look, I know Brandon Easton. You know, he has, you know, just talk to him. Just, Your eyes you know. are nominated. I know, but to, to a lot of people, that doesn't matter. Okay. Because they don't want to share their connection. Whatever. Yeah. It's cool. So anyway. So Chris said, well, hey, look, every, the way that you really make any traction at Marvel or DC is you, you pick a D or C or B-level character and come up with a really cool way of reintroducing him to the population, to the audience. Okay. So one of my favorite characters in Marvel history is Night Thrasher. You know, I didn't really like his really early appearances, but I really loved what Fabian Asienza did with him with New Warriors. He made him a really cool character. And Marvel, had, for a brief time, Night Thrasher was one of the hottest characters in Marvel in the mid-90s, early 90s. So... He was dead because he died in the fir- sometime around the first Civil War, and then um, Al Ewing brought him back in the Contest of Champions miniseries. Okay. So I said, look, you know, now we, he's back, so let's uh, do something with him. So I, I came up with this whole idea of sending Night Thrasher to different. Well, I can't okay. talk about uh, well, that. Let's not, but let's, the trick is that yeah. he is in the choosing sides, and in the story that I wrote, he's going to choose which. A Marvel hero to follow either Tony Stark, Iron Man, or Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, okay. in this brand new, crazy, uh, very, very minority reportish kind of story. Well, guys, we're going to pause real quick. Stage 90 here at Z Hollywood. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more, more about Marvel. We're going to talk a little bit more about writing comics. We got to get some mask information out of this guy. Absolutely. And uh, I, I actually loved the Warcraft movie, and I'll tell you why when we get back. I still haven't seen it. We're here on Geekscape. Hang with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on Geekscape with like the epic, like this music is bombastic. That epic music, I feel like Lord of the Freaking Rings up in this. Is it Warcraft? That's a, yeah, Warcraft. I'll tell you why I watched Warcraft. So I went. Okay, so there's a heat wave going on in LA, Geekscapists. And, it's ridiculous, man. Uh, yeah, yesterday I was. I got in my car uh, after working in a. I was working on a script, and I get. I, I met with somebody, and then I walked to my car, and it was 116 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and I was. I mean, my ass peeled off when I got out of mm-hmm. my car. It was brutal. And so we've just been trying to escape this heat wave. And one of the popular ways to do it is by going to the movies. And I saw Finding Dory. Finding, How was it? Uh, it was good. They find her, but she's dead. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's cute. I think we have a review up on the website. Uh, if you guys are at geekscape.net, we have a review, and I think J- Dave Traverso wrote a really good and fair review as to why the movie's really good and why some of the movie is, you know, got some soft spots to it where mm. I'm like, eh, it was cute. Uh, it, not a lot of people do it as well as Pixar, but you know what? Right. Disney Animation's been bringing the heat with stuff like Zootopia, and uh, I thought The Jungle Book, like some of my favorite movies have been Disney. Uh, and Dory's good, um, but man, the bar's set so high with Pixar that the real unfair thing is that you're comparing it to all the other Pixars, including mm. Finding Nemo, which is awesome. I want my Incredibles too. That's the one I'm holding out for. Isn't that in the pipeline? It is in the pipeline, right, and right. I'll be there opening day. So we went to see that, mm-hmm. and then Sunday rolls around. We'd already seen Finding Dory, and Laura had been, it showed some interest in Warcraft, and to me it was like kind of a curiosity because I had just heard all the negative reviews of it. That's all I've heard, right. There's nothing but negative reviews, and then you hear the story about how it made a kajillion dollars opening weekend in China. Uh, it fell off a cliff the following weekend, I hear, but it mm. made a ton of money, and I love Duncan Jones. I think he's made some great movies, so I'm like, okay, the guy who made Moon, 
I'm going to give him a shot. And it's hot as hell in Los Angeles, and I got to get out of the house. Hmm. So we go to see Warcraft because it's playing, whatever. And the movie starts, and I'm just anticipating, <laughs> like, being miserable for an hour and a half, two hours, but seeing some cool shit, seeing some cool fantasy stuff. And right from the get-go, the movie moves with, like, a clip. And it, it really is a fast-paced right. film. It feels like... It, it doesn't feel like it's truncated through editing. It feels like the movie is just aggressively uh, throwing you things, but it's not information that you can't digest. Mm. And it has a lot of ground to cover. It's immediately covering... Because I didn't know any of this stuff about how Azeroth is where the humans live and the orcs actually come from a different Another dimension. dimension right. Right. And their planet is dying because it's pretty much dead because this evil, uh, because this magic that they've uh, been seduced by has warped the world, and so mm. what, what the orcs are doing is looking for a new world to uh, conquer, and so they, they they suck the life out of these people and use it to power this gate, which then can let them into Azeroth, mm. where these humans have had peace for years with these elf races and magicians and stuff, and these orcs invade, and they want a new, basically they, need, they want a new place to, to be able to, to, to conquer, and at the heart of it are these orcs who are like, what we're doing isn't right, and we've been perverted by this chaotic evil magic. And uh, and so there's a lot of character stuff in it, and what I like about it is it's not shot traditionally. There's some stuff in here that is like POV. There's some uh, oneers. There's some hmm. upside-down shots. There's some cool stuff, because it, I think Duncan Jones has a great vision, and the script isn't bad. The performances are, aren't bad, and the imagery is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a fun movie. I went in there with very low expectations, and I went in. I went. I walked out absolutely loving the movie and being like, "I've never played a second of this game series, and I loved it," hmm. which was a very pleasant surprise. So, okay, there, that there. I, I mean, now you're gonna go see it and be like, "All right, Jonathan loved it. I can't wait to <laughs> love this movie. It's a piece of shit." Yeah! But, but no, stay optimistic. I think I don't know Geekscape, mm-hmm. but some of you've probably seen it, and you might disagree with me. But stay optimistic. And in 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 the other thing is. Just fall back on your love of fantasy. Hmm. As I'm watching this thing, I'm thinking about how much I love Game of Thrones, how I grew up on Dragonlance novels. In yeah. here, I'm literally watching wizard battles and all this amazing imagery, and, and it's just reminding me of those Dragonlance books and being like, hey, if I ever got a chance to make a Dragonlance movie, like this is what it would look like. Hmm. And I think Duncan Jones takes it beyond the level that we've seen before in like, and in respect to the old Dungeons and Dragons movies from a few years ago, where maybe mm. the filmmaker wasn't a genre guy, maybe he didn't right. come from that place where you embraced either the game, the source material, mm-hmm. or the, the the genre. Because I think I think if you're going to approach this, I mean, as somebody who it does adaptations, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about Mask, and we did talk about Andre. It's like you really have to love this stuff, or I think I think the, the yeah, lack of respect a, is going to seep into it, which is what happens with a lot of these um, translations where they get people. You know, one of the reasons I decided to move out to LA to begin with mm-hmm. many years ago, I got tired of reading uh, interviews in Variety and Hollywood Reporter where the filmmaker or screenwriter would say, "Yeah, I'm not a fan of the material, but I've I tried to bring it. the best." But and I'm like, no, you 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 should stop right there. Mm-hmm. If you're not a fan of the material, you're not going to bring a whole lot to it. Mm-hmm. There's very few times, I mean, very few, where I've seen someone approach something from a completely different angle and make it pretty cool. Right. Generally speaking, if you don't give a crap about it, 
It's deeply. I mean, because J.J. Abrams is not a fan of Star Trek, but the 2009 Star Trek came out pretty well. I like it. Yeah, I really not, not into it. darkness. And but, how sad you know, about you know? Uh, Anton, y'all can rest in peace. That is you know, super that's sad. insane. You know, and I really liked him a lot. You know, he's, he's incredible. Part, you know, I mean, he, he, I just uh, I had just seen Green Room, mm, right, which is right, phenomenal. Right. right. And That's the one with the, the crazy Nazi guys, and the, and they put the lock everybody in the Picard. room. Yeah, Picard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, the biker gang. The green room is, is fantastic. Right, yeah, and yeah. Geekscapist, I think it's but out yeah, on the video you know, now. Go and, see it. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'd read that so many times from so many screenwriters about how I'm not a fan of this, however, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, come on. You know, and I mean, I'll give Warcraft a shot. I mean, I wasn't going to see it, but I mean, based on what you say, I'll try to catch a matinee at the Arc Light yeah, or something. I caught a matinee you know, and, we'll and I just kind of chilled out and said, have the fantasy wash over me. And it, mm-hmm. and it was fun. It's cool to see orcs and things like that. And, right. And see a griffin. And Laura turned to me and she goes, that's a griffin, right? And I go, With a lion head and a uh, bird eagle. body. Wow. An eagle head and lion body. Oh, the other way around. Yeah. And I was, like, I was like, yeah. And she's like, I knew that. And I was like, cool. I've had a good, I've, I've had an effect of, on you over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you're adapting Mask. Yes. And what's been the challenge of that? Were you actually <laughs> a fan of Mask? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I know Transformers, dude. Yeah. When I saw your name on a Transformers book, I was like, and no yeah. one should have a name on a Transformers book ever again. Because yeah, you yeah. love Transformers. Yeah, I do. And I'm trying not <laughs> to say how much I love the new Voltron series on Netflix. <laughs> have you seen the new Voltron series? I've watched the first Netflix? eight episodes. I haven't finished it yet. I fucking love it. Yeah, I'll, see, I know nothing about Voltron okay, going see, in. I mean, I know I what Voltron is. I think that helps is. not to know a whole lot about Voltron. Yeah, sorry. My, the only thing that bothers me, and no, okay. everything was cool with it. I do like the direction. They, they, the music is horrible. Oh, okay. If the original Voltron's music was epic, is oh. epic. If you go online, so it's like Transformers and, and taking, getting rid of the Vince Nicola stuff. Yeah, basically. Right. And, but the, but the music is so integral to the Voltron legend. That okay. When you see them form, you're waiting for that moment. <gasps> And oh, they took no. the music out, and I'm like, oh, you, you're, you're oh. missing the Voltron theme. I'm glad I Every, don't miss it. Oh, no, no, that's the trick. The show is great. Legendary Defender is a triumph for it's what so they've well done. It's so well written. Right. And it just moves at a clip. Particularly to all the I little stuff that, it. all the little things that pop up, and the fact that they had like a, a Robotech homage. It reminds me of it reminds me of Last Airbender in the way that they're a like, bit, you yeah, know what? Let's right. try this little flourish of humor, and right. let's try this other style, and, let's and then it gets serious. And then it gets serious. I'm like, wow. And the voice acting is extraordinary. I love it. It's just that I wish the music was better. Mm. I would give it 10 stars or whatever, you know, not, I give it 10 out of 10, but I have to give it an 8.5 out of 10 because the music isn't there. Okay. The music just, uh, like the music they have no. doesn't work for me. It's like, it's very it's like, like ha- not, you know, it's like when you watch like a Las Vegas pool party music. It's you know? like, it's akin to watching Michael Bay's Transformers and being like, where is that Vince DiCola music? Yeah, well, I mean, Michael, anyway. Wait, so no, let's no, talk no, about, here, you're yeah, working for Hasbro about, now, you yeah. can't talk like that. No, I'm not saying anything. Let's, okay. let's talk about Mask. Mask. Okay, so the Mask theme song, <laughs> when I open the comic, I expect there to be a little sound recorder. <laughs> when I open the music, I can't name the Mask theme song. I don't know what. It's thing. Mask Crusader. Yeah, I do remember that. Time, fighting crime, fighting crime. See? Yeah, that's it. Holy yeah, you just brought it back. Well, good. Finish no. the song. Okay. No, no, no. Um, so, so it's actually four minutes long. But, wait, uh, the song is four minutes. There's long? an actual four minute version of it that was sung straight through. That's the mass side of the song and the venom side of the song. And I'm who, not kidding. And that wasn't Stan Bush or anybody. Like, <laughs> I, was, I forgot dude. the name of the guy who did it because I actually do know this. I just forgot it. That's but there's fantastic. a guy who did it. And anyway, I'm guessing so, if you mass. know the song, you walked into this project. As a fan. Well, yes, but you asked me how I got it, and yes, that, that's a story within it? itself. You guys are insane for it. <laughs> you know, what happened is I've met the IDW editorial staff quite some time ago, but yeah. and I had been pitching a variety of things to them, particularly, I can't, well, someone I can't talk about, Whatever. but eventually I had been really angling for Transformers, because sure. that's what I would love to do. 
And they said, okay, well, some, so, you know, like a year went by and I got this email out the blue from one of the editors, John Barber. He says, look, you know, we're doing this alternate universe Transformers thing. You have any ideas? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I came up with like about five ideas. And the first one was, what if Optimus Prime survived Transformers a movie? Mm-hmm. You know, where he dies, you yeah. know, and the Matrix is given to, you know, Ultra Rodimus, Magnus. Yeah, Ultra then, Magnus. And then Rodimus gets it at the end. I just but, say um, Robert Stack. Yeah, Robert Stack. I'm like, awesome. Robert Stack. I love Robert Stack. Yeah, Stagg, he's man. great. And also, Solved Mysteries is my jam. But anyway, so um, I did that. You know, some Hot Rod fans really reamed me hard online because I made Hot Rod kind of a jerk in it. But whatever. But Hot Rod was a jerk. That's the that whole was his point. character. So, you know, but some people. He was immature. Some people were stuck was... in 1986. But being stuck know? in 1986 acknowledged that the whole point of that movie was at the yeah, beginning well, of the movie. You're, you're coming from a logical Prime, perspective. Optimus Prime <laughs> dies because Hot Rod was a jerk. As an insane Transformers fan, there are fans within the community that go a little bit too far. And I used to be one of them, but I stopped. If he stays a. If, yeah, well, anyway. All right. So You've then raised my ire. Some time went by. It's like talking about, you know, Iron Man 3. But uh, you. <laughs> so some time went by. And I get another email saying, look, you know, we're doing this uh, Hasbro comic book universe because, you know, there's also a Hasbro cinematic universe. Sure. And would you like to pitch some mask ideas? And I'm like, sure. And I was like, do we have to spell command with a K? Okay. Can I make that something? I was like, no, it has to be mobile army strike, command with a K. Okay. So I was like, all right. Because I, I changed it to something else with knights. Sure. You know, and I was like, something, 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 knights. And I'm like, that would make sense. And they're like, no, it has to be command. I'm like, all right. Because Hasbro, it's Hasbro. Sure. Hasbro has the final say absolutely on everything, which is fine with me. They're playing with their money. They spent like $16 million. They bought it from Kenner years ago. I mean, whatever. They can do whatever they want, right? All right. Agreed. So um, I came up with this idea that to basically make it like Fast and the Furious, Hmm. but in the Transformers universe. Okay, and because, does it have to be part of the Transformers? Well, yeah, because, because it's, it's all, all part of it. I mean, it's okay. Transformers, GI Joe, Rom, uh, right. uh, Action Man, and Micronauts. And, and from yeah. the get-go, mm-hmm. the book isn't out yet, but from the get-go, mm-hmm. like a reader's not going to be surprised by that. Like you're not going to be reading like three issues in and then be like, wait, Optimus Prime is there? Like, no, because um, IDW is doing. You launch off of it, right? IDW is doing the revolution. That's the, that's that's IDW's mega event that's coming oh. at the end of the. And or, from there, they all splinter out. Right now, okay. it's not going to be a thing where. In an, ep- an issue of mask, Optimus is just going to be walking around right. in the background. Right? No, it's not going to happen. But you might see like a news report because in the current Transformers book, Optimus has basically forced Earth into like the Cybertronian Council. So mm. that part, that, so the storyline is called All Hell Optimus because the original old storyline was All Hell Megatron. Okay. So All Hell Optimus is Optimus t- basically forcing the Earth to become a part of a galactic United Nations. Sure. With or without our consent. And that will bring in all these other interests. It, that's kind of the things. trigger. Okay. So all this other stuff is going to happen, and Miles Mayhem, who's the bad guy in Mass, the leader of Venom, who will be the leader of Venom, sure. he's also a part of all this cool stuff that's going on. So... In the middle of that, so I came up with the Micronauts. He affects the well, I, I can't. Okay, oh, well, yeah. I don't know. So I'm, I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't get too much into well, it. I'm right. just being a kid and being. No, like, it's okay. Oh, no, it no, would no, be no. cool it's, if Link. Yeah. Hey. Well. Right. It's a great sandbox. Let me put it like right. that. So I came up with an idea of changing Matt Tracker's story to where it fits, and mm. people are flipping out because he's African American. People are flipping out because it's not exactly like the original mask. I'm like, look, you know, Hasbro has a plan. Mm-hmm. Hasbro. And Paramount and all these other people, they have plans. IDW has plans. So I have to come in and work with these people. I don't Hasbro as in has bro. Ha ha. No. I'm kidding. But, but uh, I get it. But the race thing seems to be but, but, what like 60 been, people got mad. Like that's the know? lightning rod. Oh, it's only 60 people? Well, so far they have a... Not keep, much of a lightning rod, folks. Keep Matt, yeah, they have a keep Matt track or white petition. Oh, Jesus. And I think 60 or 70 people. I don't know. The point being is that they've made a big deal about it, but no one really cares outside of this. Because Let's the thing is not. that 
they're looking at it they're from very... They're too busy trying to build that wall. Specific, right. Basically. But the trick is, they, there's, there's something that's going to happen in the story. There's something about Matt's background that definitely lends him to being an African-American character. And... Definitely lends him to being someone who he, who initially he looks up to Miles Mannheim because okay. that's his name. His name's not Miles Mayhem. Okay. His name is Miles Mannheim. So uh, at first it's Miles right, Mannheim. Right, right. So him and Miles Mannheim have a not a father son bond, but it's definitely like a Yoda or Obi Wan Luke sure. type of thing where you know he had a rough like his father died and he was Matt Tracker's dad died and he was susceptible yeah. to this kind of he's like, manipulate emotional yeah, manipulation. manipulation right like there's a bigger story that's. Way more complicated than people. They say, "Well, he's a oh, there's another black character who's Seems a, a bit juvenile easier. delinquent." Yeah. I'm like, "No, you're you haven't read one letter of the script. Right? You haven't even seen the art from the one shot. Like, just wait. If you don't like it after that, God bless you. At least you gave it a shot. But sure. like, all these people are like, you know, shooting their wide way too early, mm. way too early. And I'm sitting there like, look, you're going crazy. You haven't read anything." You, know, you you haven't read any. You don't even know what you don't you don't, you don't even know yeah. what the one shot's about. Right. Because there's going to be a mask one shot that spins out a revolution. You know. So there's all this really cool stuff that's going on with mask. Oh. I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. There's all this cool stuff that's going on with mask that people don't know because they're only getting sound bites right. from the interviews I've given with Newsarama or Comic Book Resources or USA Today. Right. You know, there's so much more that I can't talk about because that's what it is like. I mean, you, you, you don't tell everybody everything, you know, and I can't yet. And But right. I think folks who are concerned about the direction, I mean, there were people, for example, I'll give you a great example. I said something like, oh, the masks, gonna be, the masks that they wear are going to be like exaggerated Google glasses. Now, someone read that and took it super literal yeah, and said, gonna oh, they're not going to be wearing masks. Be wearing. I'm like, no, you idiot. It, it's, it's a figurative statement. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to be wearing glasses. It's called mask, not yeah. glass. Like yeah. G L dot A. You know, come on. Right. But people, but, but, like, but, it's like these. But the, the technological. Yeah. Like, like it's going to be like readouts. Yeah. And really, but, I mean, cool. I'm not understanding this weird, effects. angry, hyper-sensitive fan overreaction before the fact. Right. If after the fact you read it and you have that reaction, then that's your, I mean, obviously you paid for it or you read it someplace, fine. But you haven't seen anything. Just relax. Get a hobby. You know, I mean, I I always (laughs) tell the story. I I was such a Transformers fan at one point that I lost, like, friends because of it. I lost a girlfriend over it. Hold on. Let let me see. Believe it or not. Let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to take a spot break. When we get back, you were going to tell that story because it sounds like a good one. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about how Brandon plans to go into your house and find all your old mask toys and comic books and burn and them. them with glasses. Replace them all. <laughs> all of your nightmares will come true as soon as we're back from this break here on Geekscape. All right, guys? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right, Geekscape is success. I've convinced Brandon to go check out a screening of Warcraft. For free. Right after this screening, or right after this recording. So Geekscape is, you know, don't take my word for it. Just know that if you've listened to Geekscape for a long time, you may agree with me on some things and go into every movie open-minded. I do that with everything. I I do that with comic books. I do that with Mm. video games. If I'm going to plunk down my dollars for it, I'm not going to do it expecting to hate the thing. And I think that the internet, as we just mm. talked about with Mask, is people investing in something with the hope of having an argumentative point. Mm. And that is a very, very hard way to live. Yeah. You know, So I'm fairly optimistic when I sit down and, uh, and experience things. And 
I was very optimistic going into Rebirth, and I am just mm. going to quickly tell you guys I how, how thoroughly I am enjoying yeah. Rebirth. I think it is Shockingly so much good. fun yeah. to read, and, and I and I'm and I love that it's hopefully educating the rest of of, uh, of the DC stuff because in, films included because it's so much fun to read hopeful characters who want to be heroes who mm-hmm. who want to be part of a legacy of hope and inspiration, and you know. At the same time, I just read that um, one shot that they did as part of the Dark Knight Returns for the Frank Miller stuff that John Romita Jr. Um, uh, it came out last week, and John Romita Jr. did the artwork, and Brian mm-hmm. Azzarello and, and Frank, oh yeah, Frank how did why it. he'd stop being Batman, right? And it was why he stopped being Batman, yeah. and it's a little bit of the Dark Knight universe, Dark Knight Returns version of the Jason Todd storyline, and Jason being like too violent, and Batman being like, whoa, there's a darkness in him, and I love it. I think Frank Miller still got it. I think this Dark Knight Returns, even though you can... What I'm saying is the current DC universe with the uh, hopefulness, the stuff that Rebirth is a, is a reason for... Uh, the, the whole reason behind Rebirth is a 30-year late reaction to what happened in comics in 86 with the introduction of things like Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen where mm-hmm. it started going mature. And I think we just got carried away. Mm-hmm. I think we just got carried away with comics aren't for kids and let's go grit and grim and grim and and, and for thirty years and it's like yeah. come on at the end of the day these are comics books yeah and we love it and I think that it's so I think I think we, we, there's a, there's money left on the table when you make a movie mm. like Batman or Superman and an eight year old kid can't enjoy it. I don't think a lot of people could enjoy it regardless <laughs> well, of age. I mean, no, well, I mean, I mean yeah. is, I, I'm a huge it's, Superman it's fan and I He's just felt that I don't know how you mishandle Superman at such a Astonishingly problematic level. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's not Superman's not difficult. Richard Donner provided a prototype, yeah. an archetype. Mm-hmm. Just build off. I mean, you don't want to do Superman Returns, no. But you can keep. I mean, just keep the John Williams score. Right. I mean, changing the score and then making it this dark, plotting, Crimson Tide esque sounding. I'm like, come it, on. Yeah. Man. After being raised by the Kent, Christ. if there's one thing that he uh. is not still com- contemplating, it's good. It's right. it's good right. versus evil. Like that is not a contemplation Clark has. Clark has a very strong, clear. It's very yeah. clear yeah. code, and I think I think Bruce can 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 waver. I think Bruce can wonder mm-hmm. whether or not his approach is proper, which I think they did really well in the second Nolan movie, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know what, they have Harvey Dent. I'm going to step away from this. Right. They they have their knight in shining armor. Uh, I, my tactics aren't good. And uh, and then of course Rachel and he has to get back into it, but uh, yeah no so so the DC stuff right now is just kicking ass and I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying Civil War two and you know what tomorrow I'm gonna be kicking my feet up because I'm gonna be enjoying Civil War two choosing sides choosing sides with the Night Thrasher story written by this man right here Brandon mm-hmm. Easton and, and there's a damage Capist. control story in you there too you guys can read it too who did that one oh man I oh there's know. a Nick Fury one too there's it's three it's three stories in there it's a Nick Fury story. Night Thrasher, and there's a damage control story. So okay. mine is smack dab in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So so here's the thing. We, we were kind of talking about like the race reaction to and some of these characters <laughs> and stuff. And then that led us to a story you didn't tell about how you lost a girlfriend over Transformers. Yeah. I think yeah. many geeks have lost girlfriends over Transformers. I hate to tell <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it was. I was no, this is what happened. I My was, wife identified as Griffin. I was a huge Transformers fan for many right. years. Then when I get to college, I basically grow out of it like every normal person, well-adjusted. Speak for yourself. Yeah. So then I rediscovered Transformers in like 1997 after being away from it from like 1988. Nine to okay. you know, so I'm just like, wow, people still give a crap about this. I found like all these websites. This is like still during like the shift. You got to dial in to yeah, Prodigy well, it Online. Was, I don't know if AOL. You, you yeah. probably remember what when it was Deja News Groups. 
you know, like rec.arts.comics, well, stuff like that. And, yeah, and I remember yeah. dialing into BBSs. Yeah, it was BBSs, yeah, it was basically. BBSs. Right. Yeah, you so, dial in and right. you talk to like-minded people. Right, so th- this was doing that share shift. share Apogee Freeware. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. So I found this uh, website called BigBot, B-O-T, dot com. Okay. And it was like this repository of Transformers websites. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a repository? I didn't even know there was one. Dude, you're you're like so, Scrooge McDuck jumping, right, into, jumping like, into that goal yeah, 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 without dying You were so happy. Right, diving into a product. Yeah. Anyway, so I found this. So to, to fast forward, so I really got re-energized and I started really going crazy. So I started tracking down because I didn't know there was a Japanese series that went on. Generation 1 Japanese sure. series that continued after the American like, I must find this. So I went and so found So it was like fan untra- for fan. <laughs> yeah. Like copies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I spent like all this time and money and so i basically emotionally tortured my girlfriend at the time i was living in boston to just like accept the fact that i, w- I was a grown-ass man getting way too angry and i got really mad well, what were you angry about, about well i was mad about beast wars because beast wars oh. season one had no connection to generation one which was my thing i'm a g1 okay. fan and i was like god damn it they should connect it and so fan outrage was so visceral that somewhere in the middle of season and you got wrapped two, up in it you were the oh, guy i was the guy right you were the matt Making petitions fan. and stuff right yeah so you basically so i was getting really mad that optimus prime was like a monkey he was like a gorilla and stuff sure. Truck. And I was. I, I was. I went too far. Right. So anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna fast forward a little bit more. So then, in the middle of season two of Beast Wars, they reconnected to the original Transformers series, <laughs> and I got like Wait, really. So, so now there are two Optimus Primes. Yeah, because basically you found out that they, the Beast Wars people, were on Earth the entire time, oh, and, and the original crashed Autobot ship was right around the corner from them. Nobody noticed a, sh- a crash ship. Hey, dude, I didn't write it. So I, now the, the crazy thing is, I met. But it's not an interdimensional fold or anything. No. Like, well, there was some. Yeah, there, there are literally yeah, no. two Season, Optimus Prime. Well, no, Optimus Primal, that like, the gorilla, oh. was actually a descendant of the auto. It's stupid. Okay, so there's I'm a not, time, there was, there was like a time thing. Yeah, it was some okay, weird. Got anyway, it. so the point was that I love at, at San Diego Comic Con 1999, <laughs> I met the showrunner. Of Beast Wars. Oh, here we go. No, here's the deal. You got him in a corner. So basically, so I was just like, look, dude, you know, can you explain to me all this stuff? And I was all like, you know, like full of piss and you vinegar, mainly piss. Yeah, well, so, yeah, things weren't great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'd already eroded them to a point. Okay. So oh, no. I go up to his name is Bob Skier or Bob Robert Skier. Mm-hmm. I go up to him and I'm like, I'm full of piss and vinegar, mainly piss. And I was like, bah, 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 bah. and he's like, look. uh Look, get a life. Hasbro. First off, he basically said, "Get a life in the nicest possible way." Yeah. But he was like, "Look, it, Hasbro r- owns this. Yeah. This is what Hasbro wants, sure. and this is what Hasbro gets." We listen to some of you, but we sure. don't listen to all of you. Sure. And basically, it's a business. They are in the business of selling toys, and all this other stuff. Whether or not we do G one, they still will sell Beast Wars because Beast Wars toys sold like wildfire. Okay. Hence, you know, I mean, yeah. clearly, I yeah. mean, it's still around, sort of. So. What I had learned was that really one, no one really cares. Like when you're in a writer's room, right. fan fan opinion is not something that comes into con- like comes into a conversation ever. No, you need to. You, know, you need to. Period. You, yeah, you need to. You know, and I learned, and so basically, I had like this because that's not a singular vision. That is a no, right. that is a schizophrenic mess. Insane. So right. Like, well, you know, I don't want to quote sure, Bill, sure. quote Bill Cosby, but he once said. You know, the secret, I don't know the secret of success, but I know the secret of failure, and that's mm. trying to please everybody. Okay. And the trick is that fan, like 80s, 1980s nostalgia fans are a very particular group, because I'm one of them. Sure. But it's just like, you have to divorce the fact that people really don't care what you feel. It's about whether or not this company is going to make money. So for every guy like me who's outraged and pissed off, there's about maybe a million people who will still buy that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you do a million to one, or really let's say 500,000 to one, you know who are they gonna listen to? 
I mean, right. the needs of the many. I mean, this is I'm not Spock. You know, it's like right. the needs of the many do not. You know, they outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Sure. So in this particular case, you know, the great majority of people who are going to buy Transformers or Mask or Rom or GI Joe, you know, GI Joe has gone through so many incarnations, and people get mad. But it's like, look, you're never going to 1983, 84, yeah. 85, 86, 87 What's will that? never yeah. come back. I had some you know great experiences. My They're point being is that. Emotionally, a lot of us, particularly the latchkey kid generation, sure. we grew up with coming home and we're turning on these cartoons on Saturday morning. We might not have had the emotional connection to our parents that previous generations had. So we supplement it with toys mm-hmm. and animation. And or, that's fine. Yeah, and all the novels and Ninja Turtles movie and right. stuff like that. Like Ninja Turtles was my thing. Yeah. Right. But the thing about it is that it's okay to have that, but you have to understand the reality. And I feel like there's this cognitive dissonance between our nostalgic feelings and the reality of business in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Hasbro is a multinational corporation, a billion dollar corporation, and clearly they're doing something right. Right. They're doing a lot of things right. In, across the board. And will there be more you know, mass toys? Like, I think know? so. I and hope I hope so, so because yeah. if that's the case, and I've helped to, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to decide the course of new toys, In some way to find awesome, the, the, the brand new generation. Be, yeah. so, and they will come right. packaged with the Google Glass, is that correct? The Google Glass, you, you right. Said here. The mass Google Glass. <laughs> right, but the trick about it is that I feel that uh, I think it's going to be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And, I fo- and I'm not going to disrespect the legacy of Mask. I'm not going to disrespect the legacy. I mean, there's no T-Bob, who was a little right. like stupid weeble-wobble-looking toy. looked like R2-D2. Wait, did, did you say there's no uh, T-Bob yet? No, there's no oh, T-Bob. T-Bob does not exist in you, this universe. Whoever writes the book after me can bring T-Bob in, but I never liked the... I hate shows... What did you say the guy's number was over at IGW? <laughs> yeah, I hate shows that you guys have a interested teenager. in a, You guys interested in a T-Bob one-shot? <laughs> Somebody might do that once I'm dead and gone. Yeah. But as far as long as I'm working on mass, there will be no T Bob. And I mean that one hundred percent. You just got a bunch of more tweets saying that. Probably, crap. probably. But no, the trick so ultimately I, I, I got snapped out of it. First of all, when my when my girlfriend just stopped respecting me because I was too much of a yeah. like I was a geek for plastic toys. My, Laura and she got was me, just like, you know, Laura got up, me a men's know? health magazine the other day. <laughs> <laughs> she goes it was so fucking funny. I'm laying there and she goes, Yeah, which grocery shopping and uh Oh, you know, I thought you might like this article. And I forget what the article is. And, and it was like something. Leaving the 80s behind? No, it was something. I forget what it was. It was something pop culture. Mm. But it was obviously from like a masculine point of view. Right. And she's like, yeah, I thought you might like this magazine. Because my bedside is conquered by fucking comic books. Right. That it's like, oh, you might want to fucking men's health act like a man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a subtle things that women yeah. do to let you know. like Not so well, subtle anymore. Well, not up, dude. Right. When you're in but, the security of a six-year marriage, I think Laura's just, <laughs> now she's just fucking dropping bombs. She's just like, like, stop like, it. Boom. Dude. Stop boom, it. Act like right. a man. No, right. we're not getting those socks. Yeah. <laughs> or bed sheets. I, yeah, I bought Captain America socks yesterday. And Did you really? Yeah, but I had to buy like three. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing it was at only, you. Hey, you only. I'm just saying. But know. I had to buy like three other types, like grown-up stuff. Yeah, like Argyle, maybe white. I think that was one of them. Black. Perhaps so, you can't go wrong with solid white. But or solid I got black. one. I Ever. know I got some with with. No, it wasn't Captain. It was like a Superman logo, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna wear these." Dude, and did you see the like, Geek Ties? Okay, doctor? you will never wear did, me did, again. No, did you see the Geek Ties? No. They have these ties that are almost fashion, but okay. if you look closely, they're all geek symbols. That's cool. Yeah. Well, Nintendo did a whole thing with Vans, and they did all these Vans oh, right. shoes, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, one of them I, looks I, like a controller. Dude, I brought up the yeah. website, and I was like. Fuck yeah, and Laura's like, fuck no. There you go. <laughs> I was like, okay, so, maybe I'll just get the Donkey Kong so socks because I can conceal them. So, I, so Donkey Kong, right? It's like ladders. But uh, the trick. So basically, that's what got me out okay. of it. Once I got back 
to the East Coast after going to Comic Con for the first time in '99 and having going to the Beast yeah. Wars panel, and I was determined to really give it to him. And he said basically you know? what you said earlier on the show just now. So right, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you come so full it, circle. It snapped me out of it. And and I, and I had to. And then I had friends who got mad at me because I was always talking. I mean, yeah. I was really bad. Like when I say I was bad, I mean, I, it's hard to see it now. There are hopes for you, passionate but, geeks. Listening right. To this but is there was a like. point when I went like if, if, anytime I said a word that began with TR, people would like start to shudder because uh, they thought I was going to say something about Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. So if I said train, huh? Oh, yeah. train. Oh, okay. It's just a train. You Wait, know. it's not, not even the train, train that turns into a robot. Well, that would be Astro. Yeah, train. Astro there Train. There you go. Well, um, listen. Brandon's gone full circle. He was one. You know what? He was one of you guys. He started out passionately, just as a fan, or maybe sometimes too passionately. Mm. And now look at him. I'm not gonna. You know, he's he's sitting here and he's helping uh, steer the ship of some of our favorite franchises. Mm-hmm. And dude, I do hope you land some of those TV gigs. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be nice. And I do hope uh, somehow they put some of that music back in the next season of Ultron. I hope so. Legendary God, Defender, because so. that'd be awesome. And I'm enjoying it. And I, dude, I hope you enjoy Warcraft. Um, but yeah. you don't gotta take my word for it. And you know, guys, know how it is here on Geekscape. Brandon's gonna be at uh, San Diego Comic Con. If you guys are obviously visit the Geekscape booth, we're gonna have yeah. tons of fun and lots of friends. And I have there. my panel Friday. And this panel that we're talking about, breaking into the business, mm-hmm. he's going to have it uh, Friday. There's uh, six o'clock. Tons of stuff coming. So six o'clock on Friday. Circle room thirty two AB. I think I'm on an adapting television to comics panel on oh, Thursday because really? of Miami Vice. But I have to double check that. But nice. Geekscape is the whole calendar will be up on Geekscape.net. And if Brandon wants to make an appearance prior to sure. his uh, panel at the Geekscape booth, we can work on that, and we'll put that up on the website. So that's basically all the news that's fit to print. Uh, You guys can pick up the uh, Marvel Choosing Sides issue that's uh, on stands uh, this week. So Mm -hmm. enjoy that. And then, of course, the Andre the Giant comic. You guys definitely definitely read that one and be on the lookout for Mask. Uh, Geekscape, we're going to be off next week, but the podcast will be back soon. And obviously, it's the road to Comic-Con, so we won't be away too long. Uh, keep checking Geekscape.net, our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and all that stuff for all this news. We love you guys, and we will see you next time. Take care.